Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of coming together in Jesus' name to study your holy written word. And Father, we know that it's not just intellectually learned, but spiritually perceived and discerned. And so we invite and ask your Holy Spirit to anoint our ears to hear it accurately, our hearts to receive it, our minds to be open to it. Change us by what we hear from glory to glory. Conform us to the very image of Jesus that we might be shining lights in the world of darkness, holding forth the word of life to this generation, that your word might be hidden within our hearts, that we would not sin against you. And so, Father, thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim the truth of your word and power and demonstration that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God and the resurrected Christ. For these things we give you all thanks, praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We're talking about worship again this evening. This is our third lesson on worshiping the Lord, which really is the believer's first and foremost and primary ministry. God wants us to worship to him, worship to each other, to saints, and then also worship to the world. And so look in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 8 and 9 as we continue our study. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him, to bless his, in his name unto this day. Wherefore, Levi had no part nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance according as the Lord thy God promised him. So in other words, the Levites didn't have any land. They weren't landowners. But the Levites, they had God for their inheritance. Think about that for a moment. While the others, of course, they were landowners and they had to till the land to work. But the Levites, they were a tribe where the Levitical priesthood came from. And they were supported by the tithes and the offerings that came in uh, from the others. Now, the Levitical priesthood began with Aaron, who was the older brother of Moses. His descendants were the ones that became the priests in Israel. That was called the Levitical priesthood. And that's where the high priest came from. Well, they were responsible to offer up sacrifices as outlined in the Mosaic law. And, of course, they were to bear the Ark of the Covenant, which they did, to bless the name of the Lord, which they did, and minister unto him. Can you imagine that was their calling, that was their livelihood, to minister to the Lord in the holy place and just honor the Lord. And they would be supported, like I said, by the tithes and offerings of all the others. Well, the Levitical priesthood was not to be set up forever. It wasn't going to be a permanent thing. Matter of fact, when Jesus died upon Calvary's cross, his death proves that it stopped. The Old Testament was fulfilled. The priesthood came to an end, and that was evidenced how? By the temple veil being ripped in two from top to bottom, the Shekinah glory leaving that place, that earth made holy of holies, and going back into heaven. What does that tell us? There's no priesthood today as was back then. Look in the book of um, Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 11. You see, once this happened, the high priest had no Shekinah glory to enter into on the Day of Atonement. It left. All that was fulfilled. 
And now there's a new high priest in town. And this high priest doesn't die ever again. He's alive forever. His name is Jesus. He's not after the order of Levi or the Aaronic priesthood. He's of the order of Melchizedek, who had no beginning, who had no end, whom we know Abraham paid tithes to, who was a type of Christ. And so Jesus, being the high priest of the new covenant, because he will never die, he lives on forever, there's no need to have another high priest. They had high priests over and over again. Why? Because they died. And they had to get a new one. Look in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11, what it says. Here we have Jesus, the one who, was, uh, became, who became high priest. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? So in other words, Jesus, when he was raised up from the dead, when he was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, he became our high priest, our mediator, our advocate, our intercessor, and, our, and our also our guarantee of the new and everlasting covenant. He took that place and he perfects everyone that comes to God the Father by him. And so therefore there's no need for a priesthood. Now how about this? In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, look at what it says. That old priesthood is done away with. There's no need for a priesthood today like back then. But there is a priesthood today, and here it is. You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Remember we said that the tribe of Levi had God for their inheritance? That was a type of what? Who's our inheritance? We have an inheritance. We've become the priests. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You and I are the holy priesthood today. We don't have to go to school to become a priest. You don't have to go through rituals to become a priest. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, and you are made a priest unto God. You stand in the office of a priest, but along with that office comes what? Responsibility. Which is what? We're to offer up not the bloody sacrifices of the animals that they sacrificed back under the old covenant. But praise God, all we have to offer up is the sacrifice of praise to God. We are a holy royal priesthood and a holy nation, a holy people before God. And we offer up the sacrifice of praise to God continually with the fruit of our lips giving thanks and praise to his name. So we are a priesthood and the sacrifice is praise. And as we sacrifice praise, he inhabits or lives in the praises of his people. So the more we praise him, a greater manifestation of his presence, power, and glory comes. Glory to God. Now the main reason for the church then is to minister first to the Lord, minister second to the saints. Remember Peter said as he has given each man the gift, so minister one to another as a good a steward of the manifold grace of God, as everyone has received your gift, minister one to another as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. So whatever it is that God has given you, deposited within you, use it to be a minister to someone in the body of Christ. And then also to the world. 
We're to minister to God the Father, minister to the saints, and minister to the world. And the point is this. We lift up our voice to God. We come before his presence, and we intermingle with him. And as we do, he makes a deposit of himself in all of our lives. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 40 and 28 through 31. It says, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. You know why? It's a spiritual war that we're in, not a natural one. Not a political one, not a mental one, not an intellectual one, a spiritual one. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that intertwine with the Lord, they shall renew or exchange their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Praise God. As you and I get before the throne of God, as we did here tonight, and we begin to praise Him and bless Him and honor Him, we function in the office of a priest and we offer up our spiritual sacrifice of praises, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. There's an interaction that takes place with Him. He gives Himself to us and empowers us, enabling us to minister also to one another and then also to people that are out there in the world. That's how it works. But it's up to us to recognize the fact that we are priests unto God. You see, you tell that to somebody back then, you couldn't just be a priest. You had to go through a lot of training to become a priest. As a matter of fact, this is the thing that really I was thinking about this as I was preaching this, preparing for this message. Whenever they do build this next temple, the third Solomon's temple, and they come up with a high priest, what's this high priest going to do? Do we think that a natural high priest can take the place of the high priest, the great high priest, Jesus? Can any priest that they come up with that they're teaching right now to teach them how to offer up sacrifices that they're doing right now could take our place? No possible way. The high priest has done his duty. He ever lives at the right hand of the father to make intercession for each and every one of us. And no one can take his place, which is why that building is not going to last very long. You realize that? Amen. He's going to come again and show everybody who he is. All right. Look in the book of um, Acts chapter 13. Because here we have a, an example of how we minister to the Lord. Then we minister to the saints. And then we go off and minister to the world. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to whom? The Lord. They ministered, notice this, first to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul. See, as they ministered to the Lord, the Lord then ministered and gave them, he intermingled with them, and said to them, for, for the work where I've called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now they ministered to them. And then they sent them away. And where did they go? To minister to people in the world. So they ministered to the Lord first. They ministered to the saints second. Then they ministered to the world third. And that's how the work of God is accomplished. If we want to succeed in being a, a witness to the people of this world, we need to first of all enter into his throne and minister first and foremost to him. 
And I guarantee you, when you take that little bit of time, get before the throne, I'm talking, just to, just get up in the morning and say, this is the day you made for me to rejoice and be glad in. I acknowledge you as the one who is faithful at night and loving. I thank you for your loving kindness in the morning. I'm just thanking you. This is the day that you've made for me to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to be the one that's going to witness for you. And I, I thank you for your spirit to rest upon me in obedience. The spirit of obedience be upon me. I thank you for your power, your might, your anointing just to manifest in me. I worship you. I set my love upon you today, Father God. And I just rejoice in you, the God of my salvation, my Savior, my healer, my deliverer, my everything. My, I exalt your name on high. That only takes a minute or two. To do something, I exalt your name on high. You inhabit my praise. I'm going to praise you with joyful lips all the day long. And then you'll have that interaction with him. You'll have the power of his might manifesting within you. And then you go forth to proclaim Jesus to a lost and needy world. Okay, ministering to the Lord. What does it involve? Number one, it involves praise. We have to praise him. We are mandated to praise him. Would you rather kill a sacrificial animal Drain its blood and bring it to an altar of sacrifice or just say, praise the Lord. What would you rather do? In the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 15. Now, remember where this is at. It's in the book of Hebrews, which is all about what? The first covenant, as long as it was standing, there was no way to the holy of holies at all. As long as you had the priesthood, as long as you had the sacrifices, and you had to do that, and all that they did, all the rituals that they did, there's no way to the holy of holies for believers. Only the high priest once a year, and your sins can't be remitted. They can only be covered for a year. But the moment that Jesus was raised up from the dead, praise God, then once again, the Old Testament was fulfilled, New Testament's enforced, and we have access to the throne of God by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by Him we can come to the throne of God, and we are welcomed there, we are invited there, and by Him, that is by Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise, not of a lamb, not of a turtle dove, not of a bull, bullock, none of that, but the sacrifice of praise to God continually... Notice this, continually, that is the fruit of our lips. The fruit of our lips doing what? Giving thanks to his name. Oh, we give thanks to the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last and everything in between. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, ruler of all mankind, Jesus, Emmanuel, God who is with us, we exalt your name. I praise your name. And you know what? Because we've been born of the Spirit, we can worship in spirit and in truth. Even on a job, you can just on the inside of you, just worship him and just praise him and thank him on the inside. Your spirit man speaks. It has a voice. And you can worship him throughout the day. When people see you with a smile on your face, when you shouldn't have a smile on your face, and they wonder, why is that smile on your face? Because on the inside, they can't see what's going on. You're having an interaction with Almighty God. You are intermingling with him, intertwining with him. You are praising him in the depth of your soul. And hallelujah, you've got a joy inside of you that's unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. And you're shining like a light. And they're looking at you like, my goodness, what's going on with you? And you're just begging for them to ask you because you want to tell them why you've got that spring in your step, that joy in your heart. Amen? Amen. Praise God. All right. So the first thing is we need to praise him. Look in Psalm 150. Psalm 150. Um, okay, we'll read the whole Psalm first. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the front of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the solitary heart. Praise Him with the tremble and dance. Praise Him with string instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals, upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything have breath. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. You think He wants us to praise the Lord? Is that intense or what? Praise the Lord. 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 
Well, first and foremost, this psalm is called the grand finale of the five hallelujah psalms. The last five psalms, 146, 47, 48, 49, and 50, are called the hallelujah psalms. Why they begin with hallelujah? Praise the Lord is hallelujah. They end with hallelujah. Praise the Lord is hallelujah. So they start out hallelujah, they end with hallelujah. And by the time you get to the last one, Psalm 150, it's intense. <laughs> praise the Lord, 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 praise the Lord. You get it? Praise the Lord. Now think about this. The first the, the book of Psalms begins with a short six-verse psalm. It ends with a short six-verse psalm. And the first one emphasizes meditating the word. Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the way of the sinner, or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is where? In the law of the Lord. In his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the withers of water. He shall bring forth his fruit in the season. His leaf shall not wither. Whatsoever he does is going to prosper. So the emphasis is on what? Meditating in the word of God. And then the last one, the emphasis is on what? Praise the Lord. Meditate the word and praise him. You know what? They go hand in hand. Because if you meditate the word of the Lord... And you get it on the inside of you. It bubbles up on the inside of you. It comes out of you with praise and adoration. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Okay, so this is the psalm. So let's break it apart. Let's start with verse 1. First of all, in verse 1, we're taught to praise the Lord. Now notice this. Praise ye who? The Lord. Jehovah. Jehovah God. Jehovah is the redemptive covenant name for God in the Old Testament. Praise ye. The Lord tells us who to praise. Where? Praise Jehovah God in his sanctuary and praise him in the firmament of his power. What's he saying? Praise him in the heavenly sanctuary. Praise him in the earthly sanctuary. Praise him in the vast reaches of space, the expanse of space, where wherever there is life, praise the Lord. No wonder when Andrew was in heaven, he said he heard the flowers singing. I believe it's so. Everything is singing the praises of God because of his awesome power. He created all things. So who are we to praise? The Lord. And where? Everywhere. In the sanctuary in heaven, in the sanctuary on earth, praise ye the Lord. And then verse 2. What for? Praise him for his mighty acts and according to his excellent greatness. For his mighty acts is his explosions of almightiness. I did a study on this one time. Praise him for exploding his almightiness on your behalf. Number one, in creation. Also in redemption. Also in deliverance from death, hell, and the grave. And all the powers of darkness and evil. Praise him for exploding his power on the scene of your life. And bringing victory into your heart, your mind, your soul, your body. Praise him. Thank him. I'm praising you, Father God. Hallelujah. You are my deliverer. You are my redeemer. You are my sanctifier. You are my helper. You know, he becomes what we praise him for being in our lives. And so as we praise him, and then according to his excellent greatness, what's that talking about? His attributes of holiness. Praise God. His integrity. His righteousness. His honor. All of who he is. We praise him for that. And that's what we're instructed to do here. Praise him along this line as well. So praise him for these things. And then thirdly, look at the, the next verses 3 through 5. He tells us how to praise him. Now notice this. Everything that's available to man, we should use to praise him. All the instruments of music are to be used to praise him. It never ceases to amaze me when I have people come up to me and say, you know you're not really a New Testament church. I said, why do you say that? Because you have musical instruments. And you're not supposed to have musical instruments in the church. I said, really? 
No, you're not supposed to do that. You know, there are churches that believe that. They, they actually don't have any musical instruments. And all I do is just stand there and just quote this psalm. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with a psaltery and harp. Praise him with cymbal and dance, with string instruments and organs, with the loud cymbals, with the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that breath praise the Lord. But notice, with all these instruments of music, we are to praise the Lord. That's what they're supposed to be used for. Not to honor the devil, but to praise the Lord, to worship God. I don't know about you, but I've heard some great music living here on this planet. I've heard some music that can move you to tears. Have you? Anybody see that little nine-year-old girl that's got a voice like it's unbelievable on America's Got Talent? Has anybody heard her sing? It's unbelievable. It's incredible how that girl has been gifted with a voice to sing like that. Nine years old. Anyhow, when I heard her and listened to her voice, I'm just thinking, I pray you use that to glorify God Almighty. God has given you such an ability. He's given you such a talent. I pray that you would dedicate that back to him, surrender that to him, and use it to honor him. Because you see, for the short time you're going to live on this planet called Earth, the long time is an eternity. And if you use it to honor and glorify him, I'm telling you right now, you're going to benefit so much from doing that. It's, it's beyond comprehension. But as wonderful as music can be here upon this earth, can you imagine what it's like in glory? Can you imagine in Revelation when it says there were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands of angels saying with a loud voice, and they were singing their praise unto God on high. Can you imagine what that heavenly choir is going to be like when all oh, you talk about the harmony you talk about the praise, the worship, the music, the gifts, the abilities that they have, all designed to do what? To focus on worshiping the living God, the creator of it all. And that's why we began this series talking about how the devil fell, who was the worship leader in heaven, and how he was so beautifully made by the hand of God with his pipes and tabrets, as it says in, in Ezekiel, and how he was there to worship the, the God himself. And he got so caught up in his self-generated pride because he wanted to be exalted like the most high God. And he fell from that place, an awesome place that he had. Because he wanted to step beyond the boundaries of his creation. And when he fell to the earth, what does he do? He tries to influence people upon this planet by using music to persuade them to follow him. To bow down and worship him. And you can see that in music today. But I'll tell you what, there's, there's music on the other side in glory that's going to just absolutely... Bless us beyond words when we get there in glory. But for now, for here on earth, use everything that we have, every resource, to do what? Praise the Lord. Now by whom is he to be praised? Verse 6, what does it say? Let everything that hath breath. You have breath tonight? Let everything, let everyone that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. Then he repeats it. Praise ye the Lord. Are you a priest tonight? As a priest, do you have a ministry tonight? Yes. Who are you to minister first to? The Lord. Praise you, the Lord. Then to saints and then to the world. Okay? So that scripture is inferring this. If a person may think that I don't really need to praise him like he wants to be praised, answer this question for me. Who breathed into you the breath of life? 
Where did your breath of life come from? Let everyone that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. Adam was nothing but a statue when he was formed from the dust of the earth. He had no ability to do anything, not even to think, let alone to speak or say anything at all or express himself. But his creator breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. And as that living soul, praise God, he now has the ability to worship God, to serve God, to surrender to God, to praise God and to do the right thing. But he failed. We understand that. But you and I are in Christ who did not fail. And you and I have been given breath. Now, I don't know about you, but I thank God for that second opportunity, for that second chance. You and I were born once in Adam and we, would, we died in Adam. And if that would have continued, we would have spent an eternity in the lake of fire. But the fire is never quenched. The worms, not, they don't die. Remember when we showed you that video of um, Bill Wise's video, 23 Minutes in Hell? Anybody here that you didn't see the 23 Minutes in Hell video? You did not see it. So many of you didn't see it. He spent 23 minutes in hell. God showed him what hell was all about. To come back and go around the country and tell people what hell is like. And he kind of described or defined this part of hell. Where the worm dies not. Means when, when people are raised up from the dead. Like when they're sentenced finally to the lake of fire. They're still going to have their body that they lived in on earth. And it's never going to die. The worms, the maggots eat out their flesh. But then the flesh comes back. And they eat out their flesh again, and they come back. See, if you've got maggots in your garbage, and you just take out the bag, and the maggots are still left there, they will die, won't they? Because there's nothing to feed on. But not in hell. He said they ate the flesh, and you can just see it happening. They eat the flesh, and then the flesh comes back. They eat the flesh, and the flesh comes back. Where the worm dies not. And the fire is never quenched. People running from the fire. The fire are burning them up. And you think that they're all gone, but then the flesh comes back once again, burns them up, and, and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Hard to imagine, isn't it? Wow. Well, the worm dies not, the fire's never quenched. I thank God that there is a heaven to gain and hell to shun. And we can use our talents, our gifts, and abilities to glorify the living God. And that because He gave us breath... That we can live for him and honor him. See, once again, he breathed into us. Think about it. How do we get born again? How do we get washed in the blood? How do we get saved? You called upon the name of the Lord. And by this action of the Holy Spirit, he came into you. And really, if you think about it, there's only one way of entrance into your human spirit. He doesn't come in this way. He comes in this way through your mouth. How do we know that? Jesus said, you thirsty? Come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. Come and drink from the waters of salvation. Come and drink from the waters of the Spirit. Drink into your spirit, man, the life of God. So once again, He breathes into us, into our nostrils, the breath of life. And what happens? Death is removed from our spirits. Life comes into us. And now what am I supposed to do with this life that I have in Christ Jesus, my Lord? I'm to praise Him. Well, I don't know about you. When I first got saved, I had a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I had a spring in my step. I had joy in my heart. I wanted to tell everybody in the world that I saw face to face that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I was set ablaze. I was on fire. I had no tact. I had no wisdom whatsoever. In the beginning, I was kind of crude. You don't go to your mother-in-law and just say, you know, you're going to hell. That's not a way to witness. But that's what I told her. She wasn't too happy with that. You understand, we grow, we develop as, as time goes on. But I'm talking about 
the breath of life coming into me, giving me life, made a difference in my heart. And when I began to praise him and thank him and bless him, it set my course on the right path to follow his purpose and plan for my life. I operated in that, high, in that priestly ministry that I was called to without even realizing it. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in a new time. Praise him when the sun goes down. What will happen? He's going to live in your praises. And you heard me say this in the first lesson. If we don't praise him with joyful lips, we will praise the enemy with doubt, unbelief, murmuring, complaining. I guarantee you he'll inhabit those words that we speak. He will see to it that he shows up on the scene and brings a curse upon our lives, upon our families and all that. Praise him for making hard the bars of your gates. Praise him for protecting your children from within. Praise him for surrounding your family with wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Praise him for saving your lost loved ones, healing the sick and setting the captives free. God wants us to praise him from the morning to the noontime till we go to bed at night. Just praise him because that is our primary ministry as a child of God, to minister to him first and foremost. Hallelujah. And if we will, I guarantee he'll show up and show himself strong. All right, the power, look, look at uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 13 first. Look at this verse, because if people think, matter of fact, uh, someone just showed me something here today about someone who really doesn't believe in God and talk all kind of craziness about Christianity. Right, Tammy? And it seems like they're having their day in the sun, right? They're criticizing believers we're all lunatics. We're crazy for what we believe in. You're crazy for what you're doing. You're crazy for serving God the way we serve God. You're fanatical. You're this, you're that, and all these other things. They're going to enjoy life. They're going to enjoy this, enjoy that, enjoy all, the, all that they can experience in this life. Remember the lady I told you about at one of the funeral homes that I did this funeral a long time ago? And she was in her 80s, and she came up to me after the service was over, and she just said, Oh, son, I, Sonny, I'm just so glad I know where I'm going when I die. And I thought there was a breath of fresh air because this woman, I really knew where she was going. I thought she was going to go to heaven. And out of her mouth, she just said, yes, when I die, I'm going to go straight to hell and play strip poker with the devil, she said. Oh, and she said it with a smile on her face from ear to ear, like as if she actually believed that. I've got some news. There are no friendships in hell. In the lake of fire, there's no hugging one another, no playing poker with each other, none of that, not even... Buttering up to the devil. It's nothing but agony. Weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. That's all there is. There in that place. Well. In the book of Revelation chapter 5 verse 13. These people who think. They're just going to laugh at us. And criticize us. Every creature. Do they have breath in them? Are they using their breath to worship God? No. Are they using their breath to praise God? No. But do they have breath? And what are they using it for? Not for God. Well, the day is going to come. Every creature, which is where? In heaven. Every creature on the earth. Every creature under the earth. And such as are in the sea. And all that are in them, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. One day every knee shall bow, one day every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all to the glory of God the Father. Whether you're saved or whether you're not saved, 
You're going to say it. You're going to bow. He gave you breath to do it when you lived upon the earth to avoid going to that place of destruction. And you didn't use it. But you're still going to bow. One day you're going to use your breath and you're going to praise God. And you're going to regret that you did not do it when you walked on the planet. Is what people need to hear. But for those that are believers, oh, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye our God. Praise him who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in the midst. Praise him who gave us breath to praise him with. Don't let the rocks or the stones cry out. Oh, let the voice of let, let God hear your voice of praise every morning. Thank him for his faithfulness night, loving kindness in the morning and praise him with joyful lips. Hallelujah. It'll change you from the inside out. When you begin to do your first and foremost ministry, when I begin to do it as well, it makes it a whole lot easier to minister to one another and then minister to the world. Why? Because he's, they see the joy that we have. They see the power of God that's resting upon us. Amen. Now, in Psalm 50, the power of a positive praise life. Look at Psalm 50, verse 14, 15, and verse 23. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay your vow unto the Most High. A vow. We owe him this. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Look at verse 23. Whoso offers praise glorifies me, and to him that orders his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. You put these together, what is he saying? There is power in praise. And when we praise God, hallelujah, there's victory. When we praise God, there is deliverance. When we praise God, there is healing. When we praise God, there's protection. And so in other words, if we will live a lifestyle of praise, we can expect victory because praise and victory do what? They go hand in hand. They go together. Look at, um, first of all, Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles chapter 20. They go together. You know the story. They were surrounded by three enemies, the devil, the world, and the flesh, all coming against them to wipe them out, destroy them. They were fearful, and they sought the Lord their God. And Jehoshaphat said, my eyes are upon you. I don't, we have no power against this, what we're facing. And so our eyes upon you, what are we going to do? Well, are there things in your life that you have no power against? Are there things in your life that you can't overcome in the flesh that even medical science can't help you overcome? Sure, there's all kinds of things in this world that we need to overcome with supernatural powers. Well, here it is. Here's the answer. When he consulted with the people, he appointed singers. Whoever thought you could sing your way to victory? Who thought? Who would have thought you could praise your way to success? Who would have thought you can praise your way to healing and deliverance and financial help and aid and protection? What we praise him for, he becomes in our lives. And that they, he pointed singers to the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, not murmur and complain, but when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambush, ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. You want to smite the enemy? He put a song in our heart to smite the enemy to overcome. Praise God. There it is. Victory comes through praise. Praise and victory go hand in hand. They work together. They live in the same house, you could say, together. And when we praise Him from the depth of our soul for the victory that we have in Him, victory and praise work together. Now, victory, um, now defeat, in, in, uh, defeat will not work together. Praise and defeat can't live in the same house. It's impossible for them to live in the same house.
when you and I praise the living God, there has to be victory. Look in, in, in Joshua chapter 6, I believe it is, in verse 16. When you and I praise God, and I mean the fruit of our lips. The fruit of our lips means we're not just saying it because someone told us to say it. We are praising him because we see he lives in our praises for ourselves. We see that we are priests before almighty God. We see that we've been called upon by him to praise him first and minister to him first. And if we will, that he will show up on the scene of our lives and he will show himself strong and make us victorious. And when it came to pass on the seventh time when the priest blew with the trumpets. Now envision this. First day to go around, all they do is blow trumpets. Second time go around, all they do is blow trumpets. Six day to go, six day to go around, blow trumpets. Seven day to go around, seven times blowing a trumpet. And then, and then came to pass on the seventh time of the priest blew the trumpets. Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And when they began to shout the praises of God, as they began to join in and chime in with the trumpeters, as they began to um, play, play the shofar back then, it's really the trumpet is a shofar. What happened? God manifested himself in such a way so as to confound the enemy. Do we want our enemies to be confounded? Driven out? There it is. Because victory and praise live in the same house. Vic defeat and praise can't live in the same house. So that means if we're not praising him, defeat can live with us. But if we're praising him, defeat has got to leave the house. Get out. Whether it's the house of your body, your finances, your, your family, or whatever. You can't stay. And then the third one. We all know the story. Acts 16, 25, and 26. Paul and Silas, they're in prison. And while they're in prison, it seems like as though they're defeated. But did you know that defeat and praise can't live in the same house? Or in the same jail? Let's read it. 25 and 26. They're beaten. They're in, in the stocks. And they're in the middle of the... Of the, of the jailhouse at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God whipped beaten defeated the midnight hour of crisis seems like as though everything is, is going wrong and what do they do they pray and sang praises to God and the prisoners heard them so they weren't quiet about it can you imagine them singing this is the day this is the day that the Lord hath made I will rejoice and be glad in it or this is my story this is my song praising my Savior all the day long Whatever it was that they were singing had to be a good song. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's bands were loosed. I know we say all kinds of things like God started to tap his foot with the song that they were singing. And it blew open all the jail doors and, and all their chains were all broken and smitten and all that. But the thing is, this is a principle here. In the most difficult place that they were in with their backs split open, beaten, and, and fastened in stalks where they had their arms spread apart, their legs spread apart in a position that was extremely awkward and chained to it. And it was hard for them even to sit the way they were. Can you imagine that? These pews are pretty, pretty comfortable. But that's not how they were. So in other words, when everything said discomfort, Murmur, complain, be frustrated and all that. They prayed. Wouldn't it be nice if they would have told us what that prayer was? Something like, Lord, you made heaven. You made the earth and the sea and all that in them is. There is none like you in all of the earth. And Jesus, you told me when you appeared to me, don't look at things seen. Look at things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal 
And the things that are not seen are subject to change. So, Lord, I'm not going to look at these chains. I'm not going to look at my back or Silas's back. As far as I'm concerned, my eyes are on you. Like Jehoshaphat's, my eyes are on you. I'm no match for these fetters and these chains. I'm no match for this enemy that wants to kill me. But my eyes, Lord, are upon you. So I commit myself to you. I surrender my life to you. And I believe that you're more than enough to see me through and help me overcome. So, Lord, I thank you for delivering me. I thank you for setting me free. I thank you for making us whole in the mighty name, the matchless name, the wonderful name of Jesus. And then they began to sing. To sing. They sang praises unto God. And as they began to sing, praise God heaven began to to move with a song and all of a sudden the earth began to quake and shake and all of a sudden everyone's bands were loose and the doors were open and they were all delivered and set free and established a church there among the people that were there in the prison what a mighty change of events wouldn't you say a mighty change of events that took place all prompted by what prayer and worship singing and praising almighty God now we all have to admit this it is difficult when your body's racked with pain it is difficult when clouds of oppression seem to loom over our lives and we go by those feelings and emotions. We walk by faith, not by sight. Even in the midst of all the worst feelings and emotions that we have, God wants to hear us say, I may feel this way, but I'm going to praise you with joyful lips because you're more than enough to get me through this situation. I'm praising you because you are my victory. Jesus, you are my high priest of my confession. I'm declaring that I'm delivered. I'm set free and I'm made whole. And I'm going to praise you for my victory. I'm thanking you for my victory. And keep on doing it and keep on praising him until he manifests himself in your praises to bring about your deliverance or my deliverance. Hallelujah. All right. Praise and defeat can't dwell in the same house. So a victorious Christian, a victorious Christian is one whose heart is filled with joyful praise. A victorious church is one whose people are filled with joyous praise. And again, not because we've been trained and we've been taught to come together and sing a song and clap our hands. And if Tammy doesn't see us doing it, she says, come on now, people, put your hands together, shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. No, it's when we read the Bible and we come together to church and we see that our God goes up in a shout and we understand that we're challenged today. We look at the news and we see what's happening, what's taking place in our country. We see all that stuff and if we're not careful, we're going to be moved by what we see on television. You know what? Can you believe half of what's true on TV? Can we believe any of it? Think about it. All that stuff on TV, all that we hear, we garbage up our ears with all that stuff that's going on. It's time for us to realize it's not by power, not by might, not by military force, not by political force, not by the intelligence of, of man, but by the power of the living God. Get our eyes on him and start praising him for revival in this nation once again and for him to move with great power and might in our nation. From his house to the White House to our house, a revival taking place among all of us. And we come together in church like this and praise God. We've come together. Why? Because we've got a song in our heart. We've got a spring in our step. Why? Because as we were driving on the way here, when my wife started nudging me and saying all these things, I started saying, honey, I just love you with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and strength. I'm just going to praise God. Hallelujah. You're right, honey, and I'm wrong. Glory be to God. I know how to live and not die. I declare the works of the Lord. Amen. I'm just going to praise God for a wonderful wife. I'm going to praise God for you and thank God for you. In other words, we don't fall into the trap of the devil, start getting full of strife and envy and unbelief and all that stuff and all that garbage that happens along the way to church. Come together and just say, I'm coming. I'm going to make a contribution. 
of praise, adoration, and worship to the King of kings and Lord of lords. I am going to join together with other believers. I'm going to praise the living God. This is time that is sacred. It's time that is set apart to come together for God, to worship Him, to honor Him, and to minister to Him in my priestly ministry. As a priest before God, I am going to offer up the sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice because you've got to sacrifice something for something that you see is better. I give up something that I really like and I really want. My time, my effort, my energy, whatever it might be, for something better. For God, His presence, His power, His glory in manifestation in my life. Can you say amen? Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the most parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.